Hey everybody, you're listening to the Clearer Thinking Podcast from Grace Valley Church in Dundas. I'm your host, Paul Vandenbrink, the lead pastor of Grace Valley Church. Thanks for listening. So, on Sunday I mentioned that one of the reasons all four of the Gospels record the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 was because it really happened. Now, I know that doesn't sound very profound. I mean, aren't we supposed to believe that all the events recorded in the Gospels really happened? And the answer, of course, is yes. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, if you're what's commonly referred to as an evangelical, then you believe that the Gospels faithfully and accurately portray the events of Jesus' life. And what I want to want you to know, actually, is that this is hugely important to the Christian faith. The Christian faith is based upon historical events, historical events that actually happened in real time in history. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 13 to 19, the Apostle Paul, in talking about the resurrection, says this, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. He, he's, he goes on to say, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Basically what he's saying is this. Look, the stuff, this stuff that I'm recording in my letters, it either happened or it didn't. And if it didn't, if Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead, then we're supposed to be pitied. We are the laughingstocks of the world because we believe in a silly myth that never actually happened. And that's quite something if you think about it, that the Christian faith is based on these events that happened over 2,000 years ago. Let me ask you this. Do you ever wonder, ever wonder, what if those stories were all made up? What if they're just a bunch of legends how can we be sure that these stories are actually true? Now, last time on the podcast, I talked about the internal witness of Scripture. And I said that one of the ways that we know we can trust the Gospels is because of the way that they were written. They aren't written like legends of old. They have way too many details to be that kind of literature. In fact, we don't see anything like the Gospels until modern fiction writing. And that's not a point in favor of considering them fiction. In fact, it's actually the opposite. Because it means that out of, out of the blue, the gospel writers developed a type of literature that really hadn't existed before. And then that form of literature disappeared for a couple of millennia before showing up again in the modern era. And that just doesn't really make sense. And I mentioned last week that there are other reasons to believe that the Gospels are reliable. And I thought I would just mention a few to you in this episode because I think it's helpful for us in a couple of ways. First of all, it's good for you as a Christian, if, that is, you are a Christian, to know that the Christian faith is a reasonable faith. Sometimes you get the feeling that people think Christians believe simply despite their brains. It's like they check their brains at the door, they turn them off, they close their eyes, they take this leap blindly into believing Christianity without any good reason for it. But there's actually good reasons to trust the Bible, guys. It's, it's good for you to know what those reasons are for your own encouragement. And it's also good for you to know because it may help you 
in sharing your faith with people who are skeptical. You know, Grace Valley wants to be a church that welcomes skeptics. That means we want to be able to sympathize with their doubts. But we also want to be able to address their doubts. We want to have answers to legitimate questions that they might have. Questions like, how can you believe those old stories? The Apostle Peter says in his letter, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Well, I guess my hope is that uh, this podcast will help provide your reasons. So here we go. Uh, We already talked about the eyewitness testimony of Scripture last week, so I'm not going to revisit that other than to say this. The Gospels were written remarkably close to the events that they record, sometimes within 30 years. Now, you might think to yourself, that's not that close at all. I mean, I'm 40 years old myself, and if I tried to write down what happened to me when I was 10, I'd get all kinds of things wrong. Maybe that's true, but you need to remember what kind of culture we're talking about. The ancient Near East was what's called an oral culture. People couldn't read. Um, Books were very rare. And so wisdom was passed down from generation to generation orally through stories and storytellers. So let's say for an example, an earthquake had hit a town. Well, it would be the official storyteller's job to recall the event of that earthquake and tell the story to everyone else. They were the keepers of the wisdom. Now, these storytellers were not allowed to just change facts of the event as they saw fit. Everyone in town knew the story, and if the storyteller changed the facts, they would get called on it. A modern example would be like, you know, those of us who who, uh, have had young children, oftentimes you you read your child their favorite book, right? Um, And you've read it so many times now, maybe you're you're deciding that you're kind of bored and you think, I'll just skip a page or two to get through this more quickly, or I'll have a little fun with it and I'll change the plot a bit. Your kids will have none of it. (laughs) They know the story inside out. They've memorized it and they are expecting you to tell them kind of what they know. We tend to live in a time when we think that, that ancient people were kind of naive and unsophisticated. They didn't know how to preserve history properly. But that's cultural elitism, and it's wrong. This culture, first century Palestine, they valued memorization. And they valued memorizing what was taught and made sure that stories were handed down with tremendous accuracy. Um, Luke, for example, he says at the start of his gospel that he investigated the stories. He traveled around, he heard the same stories in various places, and he noticed a high degree of accuracy in the telling of those stories, and that's why he thought they they were worth putting down on paper. Let me give you another reason. Think about the depiction of the characters. There's an old saying that says, history is written by the victors, Uh, meaning that if you are one of the winners of history, you write history, and then you'll, of course, uh, characterize yourself pretty positively in the writing of that history. But if you look at how the founders of the Christian faith are depicted, you see something very different. You know, the apostles, they're depicted as petty and jealous, uh, almost impossibly slow-witted. They never seem to get what Jesus is telling them. Think about Peter, for example, who, 
who is essentially the author of the Gospel of Mark, think about his denial, how he calls down curses on himself. This is not a guy who's painting himself in a positive light at all. Why would you want to venerate this guy? What you get in the Gospels is the unvarnished truth about the main characters, often the authors themselves. And that's what's portrayed in these stories. Most of it's pretty unflattering. And you got to ask yourself, why would they paint themselves so negatively if it wasn't true? All right, let's keep going. Another reason you can believe the Gospels is because they all agree that women were the first witnesses of the resurrection. Now, this is a patriarchal culture, first century Palestine. This is a bad way of trying to sell a story. If you want to convince people that it's true, you don't make women the first witnesses of an event. Women's testimony was not even admissible in court back then. And yet, all the Gospels agree that it was women who first witnessed the resurrection. All right, here's another reason. Blaise Pascal, he was a scientist and philosopher from the 1600s. He said, I believe those witnesses who have their throats cut. And what he meant by that was this. Every one of the apostles, the witnesses to Christ's resurrection, they all died defending the truth of that resurrection. All of them, with the exception of the apostle John, uh, were all brutally killed because they would not relent in proclaiming that Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, people commonly die for lies that they think are true. That's not really a surprise at all, but people don't die for what they know is a lie. And every one of the apostles did. The apostles knew for sure whether Jesus was really raised from the dead or not, and they were unwilling to recant their story. Why? The most obvious answer, according to Occam's razor anyway, the the simplicity factor, is that because they thought it was true. Now, in fairness, someone might say, okay, 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 that, that all makes sense, but it only makes sense if we can actually trust what the Gospels have written down. That is, that the documents themselves are trustworthy. But you haven't really explained why I should believe that what's written down in the New Testament is worth trusting. I mean, we don't have the original copies of the Gospels or of the New Testament letters, so how can we actually trust them? And that is a terrific question. So let me say one thing about that. It is true. We only have copies of the New Testament. We don't have originals, what are called autographs. But the thing is this. We have lots of copies and lots of old copies, almost 6,000 copies of parts or all of the New Testament. And you might ask, well, is that a lot? Well, let's compare it to some other ancient documents that we trust and believe. How many copies of Julius Caesar's Gallic Wars do you think we have? The answer is 10. Okay, what about Aristotle? I mean, he's a pretty important guy, right? Aristotle, the great philosopher from Greece, Well, he wrote something called the Poetics. You know how many ancient copies we have of that? Five. What about Homer? He's the famous Greek author who wrote the Odyssey and the Iliad, these uh, remarkable poems from ancient times, pretty famous stories. 
Well, each of his writings, of each of his writings, we have only 10 copies. We have 6,000 of the New Testament. And no, they're not originals. That's fine. But remember, I said that they were written very close to the actual events, these copies that we do have. Um, if you take Julius Caesar's copies of the Gallic Wars, not a single one of them was written less than 900 years after the events. And for Aristotle's poetics, not a single copy we have in possession right now is from earlier than 1,400 years after the events. The New Testament, the earliest copies we have, are from less than 150 years of the events. And you know, when you compare all these 6,000 copies, what's striking is that they all agree with each other. There is not one single copy that is so different from the others as to challenge a single theological doctrine. And on top of that, you have all these quotes from the early church fathers, they're quoting the New Testament, and they rep reproduce 95% of the New Testament, and their copies, their quotes, actually um, are in line with and agree with the copies of the New Testament that we do have. Here's my point with all of this gobbledygook and numbers and stuff. In terms of textual evidence, the sheer volume of documents to cross-reference for accuracy for the New Testament is, is like a mountain. No ancient document in the world comes even close to the Bible in available material. And yet, there's nearly complete agreement on everything in those copies. If the Bible is not true, if the New Testament is not actually the Word of God, how in the world do you account for that? In all honesty, I have not really ever read or heard of a really good explanation for it. It seems like a miracle. And maybe it was. Okay. I could go on, um, but I'm not going to go on. I'm just going to finish with this. You know, I'm always hoping that there's people who are not Christians listening to this podcast. Because just maybe through listening to it, they'll become a little more curious about this Jesus that they've been hearing about. And if that's you, I hope you'll think about what I'm saying. Because if what I'm saying is true, if the Bible can be trusted in what it says about Jesus, well, you can't just say, wow, that's interesting, and then move on. You have to do something about it. See, the New Testament says that there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth who lived on the earth 2,000 years ago, and he told us human beings that we must put our trust in him or we will face judgment at the end of our lives for the sin we've committed in this life. Simple as that. Now, that's either true or false. That's either true or it's not true. You may not like the prospect of judgment at the end of this life, and I can kind of understand that, but the thing is, that's not really relevant to the issue. If Jesus is who he says he is, then whether you like it or not, the truth is we will face our maker at the end of this life. It's not something that you just go, hmm, interesting about, like Little Bear, you know? <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about, those of you who have seen that show, you, you got to respond somehow. If you got a letter in the mail that said you owe $400,000 in back taxes and you better pay up, 
you don't just read the letter, go, hmm, interesting, and then throw it in the trash, right? You investigate. You find out if it's true or not. You at least make a phone call because the stakes are pretty high. It's a big deal not to pay your taxes. You could get into a lot of trouble, right? Well, the stakes here are infinitely higher. They are eternal stakes. And so I just encourage you to find out for yourself. Please, don't just listen to this and go, hmm. And I'm not telling you to just take my word for it. Investigate. Study yourself. There's lots of stuff you can find on YouTube and over the internet that that speaks to this issue. And certainly, if you want to talk more about it, I would love to do that. Our website is www.gracevalleychurch.ca. You can find my contact information there. Text me, email me. Let's start a conversation. I would love to have that with you. But don't let this go. You don't want to be standing there on the last day and have God call your name for judgment and have you say, well, I had no idea. I didn't realize that this was the real deal. I, I, I heard about this, but I never really gave it a second thought. Don't let that happen, friends. Give it a second thought. It just might mean your life. Well, hey, that's it for today's episode of Clearer Thinking. I hope you uh, appreciated it. I look forward to talking to you again next week. But until then, take care. Bye-bye.